have your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 2. There was an older guy who uh, realized he wasn't in quite the shape he used to be when he was younger. And so he went to the gym and he signed up and he, he got a chance to talk with a personal trainer. And the guy said, hey, look, I want to impress younger women. So what machine should I use to uh, get me in shape to impress these younger women? And the guy said, at your age, you should use the ATM outside the, the gym too. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> a. <laughs> Moving on. I thought it was a great joke that I told. I was like, it was kind of stupid. But um, Acts chapter 2. So they'll never tell you that at the Y. They'll tell you to go up on the track and hit it, right? So we don't have an ATM at the Y. So we should, though. That might be a good idea. So we've been talking about our church. We're doing a series called Love My Church, and we're talking about what makes us who we are. And last week, we talked about our foundation, and our church, and every church is built on the foundation of Christ, right? And every church is here to do the same thing, to go out and to make disciples, right? That's why we're here. So we talked about some of our our core as a church. These next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some of the things that we value, some things that God has laid on our hearts as the leadership of the church. And, and the church is not the building. The church is not the organization. The church is what? Us. Us. And so some of the things that we value, and every church has a little bit different value. And so we're going to talk about things that we at Calvary value. And today we're going to talk about the church family. Because one of the things that we value is being a church family. If you notice, we use that word all the time, right? Church family. And our church family is kind of scarce today because we're spread out all over the place, but we're still what? Family. Now, how many of you have a crazy person in your family? If you don't raise your hand, you might be the crazy person everybody else talks about, right? <laughs> we all have, you know, they, they say a family tree and there's always nuts in family trees, right? That whole thing. So we all have people in our family that irritate us. We have people in our family that drive us crazy, but we all love our family, right? And so as a church family, it's the same way. We're made up of a lot of different people, but God put us together on purpose. God made the church to be different, right? God made the church to be diverse. And in Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick up in Acts 2 verse 42. And this is after the day of Pentecost when Peter got up and gave the great message and the power of the Holy Spirit fell and Hundreds of people came to Christ that day. Thousands of people were joining the church family. And so they're all kind of together. And this tells kind of what was happening as that happened. And so Acts chapter 2, starting verse 42, it said, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is a great picture of the church being what? The church. They were being a church family. They were together. They were helping each other in times of need. And so, guys, this is what the church is supposed to be. This is what the church does. We are together. We meet together. We share together. We encourage each other. We correct each other. It said that they spent time together. That's what a church family is. And so what does a church family look like? 
When there's a church doing the things it's supposed to be doing, what does it look like? Well, there was a lot of togetherness. There's a lot of togetherness. There's much togetherness. Togetherness is a word, right? And what does togetherness mean? It means being together, right? It's not a trick question. It's being together, right? When we get together and we do things together, good things happen. When we get together to worship together like this, when we get together to do outreaches or to do a vacation Bible school, you know, one of the funnest things about doing that stuff is just being what? Together, right? Being together. If you go on a missions trip with a group, what happens? You're together a lot, right? You learn things about each other. You learn things that irritate you about each other. You learn things you love about each other. It's being together. And guys, as a church family, we're supposed to be together. That's why we meet each week to meet together, to worship together. Because you can worship at home, right? Yeah. You can worship at home. You can worship online. You can do that together. But something happens when we're together that's different, right? God is present, and we encourage each other. How many of you have ever had just a horrible, horrible week, and you get to church, and someone encourages you, and your week gets better, right? That's what a church family is. Maybe someone sends you a text message. Some part of your church family sends a message to you and wants to encourage you, right? So they did life together. And here in Acts, when they're talking about this, the day of Pentecost happened during the Feast of Pentecost. That's why we call it the day of Pentecost. People from all over the area were there together for a feast. That means there were lots of different nationalities there. There are different ethnicities there. You can, actually, you can read further up in chapter 2 where it says, all of them heard them praising God in their own languages. There are a lot of languages there. So guys, the church is supposed to be different, but together. That's what makes us unique. When we were in Phoenix, I think I saw this probably better than ever because the church that we were a part of on Tuesday night, their worship service, it was homeless people. There were people who were really well off together there. There were blacks, whites, Asians, all there together. There were gangsters. I mean, everybody was together and they're worshiping together. And I was standing in the back while our worship team was leading worship. And I was just kind of looking around. I'm like, this is incredible. This is amazing. And when you look out at our church, there's a lot of different ages. There's different colors, right? That's a good thing. We're supposed to be together. So the church is supposed to be accepting. Now, this is a big word today, especially with the, we're going to talk about this new generation. Acceptance is a big deal. We accept anyone, right? Yes. Thank you. Yes. We accept everyone. We don't accept always what they do, but we accept the people right? So you're going to come in. We'll accept you for who you are. And that's what the church did. They accept it. But we also tell you what you're doing is going to hurt you. And so we, we love everyone. We accept everyone. And so we accept everything, everyone, but we don't always accept the lifestyle. We help them with that. So there was a lot of togetherness. There was mindfulness of others. It said they helped each other with their needs. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out to your own interests, but take an interest in others too. When we look to the needs of others, we're willing to help. And we're also willing to look past our wants to help others, right? So guys, the church is really unique in that we are one of the only places where all the generations get together on a regular basis. If you look around, if you go to the Grand Generation Center, who's there? Mostly older folks, right? Kind of the same generation, right? If you go to the schools, it's mostly younger people of the same generations, right? 
If you go to different clubs around town, a lot of times they're all kind of the same age and generation. The church is meant to be made up of people of different generations, different sexes, different nationalities, and we all come together for the same purpose. But when you have that many people, just like in your workplace, what happens? There's conflict, right? Because I want this and I want that, and we all want what we want, right? And so the church has some different tensions that other places don't have. And so in the church, we have all different kind of generations. And that's an amazing thing. God put that together because it helps us with what? Teaching, mentoring. In moms of M&Ms, moms and munchkins, they have what are called mentor moms. They come in and they're older moms and grandmas who have been through this before and they help the younger ones. They teach them, right? At our men's breakfast, we have older guys and younger guys and they help each other and they teach each other. And our youth and our kids' programs, we have older people to come in and help the younger people learn, and that's how it's supposed to be set up. And so in our church, we have all different generations. We have the ones who are known as the elders. I just did some research on this this week, and this is what they're calling each other now. Uh, We're all calling each other the elders. How many of you here were born before 1945? Do we have anybody born before 1945? See the hands? They're elder generation, right? They were influenced by the Great Depression, World War I and II, the Korean War. This generation started a lot of the churches that we worship in right now. We should say thank you for that, right? This generation did a lot of great things for the church. Um, they loved Gunsmoke and, you know, all those good old TV shows back in the day, right? So, and a lot of them grew up singing hymns, right? The great hymns of the church. So then along comes this next generation. We call them the baby boomers. They were born between 1946 and 1964. How many of you are baby boomers here? All right. That's a big chunk of our church family, right? This generation came along. They were influenced by the suburbs, the Vietnam Wars, Watergate, protests, human rights. Rock and roll came to being in this generation, right? So this is another generation. And this generation grew up. I found this quote. I like new stuff, but I feel guilty. I like the old stuff, but I feel guilty. (laughs) This generation uh, was the first generation that didn't regularly take their kids to church as a generation, right? If you had to, this research I did, they kind of generalized generations by TV shows. So the elders were gun smoke. This generation would be Frasier. If you know what Frasier is, it's about an analyst, not necessarily a great show, but he was guilty about everything. And that's kind of that generation, right? This is a great generation. They help. Uh, helped a lot of churches move forward. These are the ones that helped pay for a lot of things that happened, helping the church move into the generation, right? Then the next generation, Generation X. This generation was born between 1965 and 1983. How many of you are here? Yeah, Generation X. That's our generation. We were kind of the end of that. This was influenced by Sesame Street, MTV, Game Boys, PC, The divorce rate in this generation tripled. This was a generation of latchkey kids, we called them. I know, I was one of those. I had a little lanyard with a key. My mom was like, you will not lose this key. She actually clipped it to my clothing, so I wouldn't lose it, right? And had a little extendable thing to get in on your own, all right? This generation is all about experiences, all right? This generation is when worship music changed from hymns to what we have today. This is what made it more of a personal worship style is what they called it, all right? So a lot of things changed. 
this journey should be characterized by the show Seinfeld because it was about nothing. <laughs> That's what the whole Seinfeld is about, nothing. This generation had no idea what they wanted to believe. This is the generation now that are a lot of the pastors now and churches are growing up into this generation, right? Then we have the millennials. The millennials came along. They were born between 1984 and 1998. How many of you are millennials? <laughs> Some of you don't claim it, but that's, that's your generation, right? This generation was influenced by technology, terrorism. Terrorism marked this generation, 9-11. All the different terrorist attacks kind of happened in this generation as they were growing up. Um, this is the generation where everybody gets a medal for everything, right? So this generation kind of grew up with that mindset. Um, and this generation kind of went back to a lot of the older style worship because they felt comfort in the rituals. A lot of, a lot of this generation flocked to mainstream churches because they like the, um, the sentimental and all the, the rituals in it, all right? And then there's a very spiritual generation, and then Generation Z is a new generation. This is born between 99 and 2015. How many of you guys here are Generation Zers? Front row here, right? Some in the middle. This generation are called screenagers, is what they're calling them now, because they spend so much time on devices. My generation, Generation X, we grew up with the old Apple PCs and the, the floppy disks. They really weren't floppy. They were like that big, right? And then... Pastor Kenny's generation grew up with all the digital. This one grew up mobile. This generation has grown up with this in their hands the entire time. It's a totally different generation. This generation is influenced by connectedness, technology, and inclusion and diversity are the key words of this generation. Inclusion and diversity. Everybody belongs. Everybody is a part, right? And this generation is connected globally but they're not connected locally. They have very few, a lot fewer friends than other generations because it's all digital, right? So they're longing for that connectivity. So guys, we are all together as the church. The church is made up of all these generations. So what does that mean? In my position as a presbyter, I get to hear all these stories from around, not just our state, but all these other states. And guys, churches today are still being torn apart by preferences. This is what I want. This is what I want. I kid you not, there is a church, not here, it's the way I heard a story a while back of a church that will not do outreach and they will not change their worship style. They will not because said, this is what we want and this is our people and this is it. We're doing hymns and we're not doing it and it, it's hard, right? So what do we do? How do we work together? How did the early church work together? We all give up our what? Preferences for the greater good. We give up our preferences for the mission. There are songs that we sing that you may not like. That's okay. There are songs you may sing that I don't like. That's okay, right? Like I was at a church one time. They were trying to move from pews to chairs. There were people going to leave the church because they were leaving, taking the pews out. And they sat in a chair. And guess what? They fell in love. I said, this is softer than my pew. Yeah, it is. All right, that's why we're doing it. So we just have to get past that. So we work together. So guys, the church family is a church family, and we work together for the mission, right? And that's a great thing. I can listen to any music I want at home. If you want to listen to hymns at home, you can listen to hymns, right? You can listen to fast songs at home and elevation and all that stuff. You can listen to that. And we come together, we sing together, 
for what's going to reach the most, right? Are you with me? So here's the deal. Each generation, you may say, well, I'm, a, I'm an elder. I'm over here. I'm in Generation Z. I'm over here. I'm a Generation X. I have no idea where I'm at, right? I mean, we can, we, but if we all move just a little bit, then we're all together. We're all moving the same direction for the what? Mission. For our community. For the lost. And that's what the early church was. They all came together. They were from different places, different traditions. They all worked together and they all shared. So there was mindfulness of one another. We, we get past our own preferences for the good of all. And then there was generosity. And so they were all united in heart and mind. They felt that everything they owned was not their own and they shared everything that they had. So there was generosity. They were willing to hold loosely to the stuff they had for the good. And guys, I can't tell you how many times people will come into the church office and say, I need help, I need help with this. And we'll help them. The churches together will help them. And then we tell them, you know what you need to do? Get plugged into a church. Because when you're a part of a church family, we look out for each other. When you're part of a church family, they help each other. And so that's the beauty. So that's what a church family looks like. What is the power behind a church family? When we get part of a church family and we work together, people are filled with joy. That's one of the things when we come together and we meet together, there is great joy and there's generosity. There's a joy in being together as a church family. When I'm down and I come into church, guess what people do? They encourage me. When I'm happy and I come into church, I can share that with others and help them be happy, right? When we're in a crisis, we can bring perspective. I can't tell you how many times some of you older generation, I'll come in and, oh, I got this problem. They say, it's fine. I've had worse than that, right? That helps. It gives us perspective. We had a guy on our fire department that was our rescue chief for years and years and years. He was a combat vet, our combat medic in the Vietnam War. It didn't matter what we came up with. Oh, that looks horrible. He's like, very fine. I've seen worse. And he literally had. And so the patient will be freaking out. Ah, you'll be fine. I, I, I'm sewing legs on with duct tape. You'll be fine. You know, whatever. The perspective. So we're filled with joy when we're together because they help us in perspective. And they grew in favor. The people grew in favor. Guys, when the outside world sees the church operating as a church, guess what? It's attractive to them. Because like I said, especially this new generation, they want to belong. They want to be connected. And when the world sees the church operating as a church, they want to be part of that. We had a guy yesterday, and we were giving out free coffee, and he said, well, what do you mean free? We're saying, it's free. And he said, free will? We said, no, it's not free will. It's just free. You take it. We give it to you. He would not leave without giving us money because he said, I want to be part of this. And I had another guy catch us later at a restaurant and said, how do I get a part of your group? I want to do stuff like that. When they see the church operating as a church, they want to be a part of that. Guys, there's nothing in the world like a church family that's operating as a church family. It's the most powerful thing in the world because God moves through that. God works in people's lives through that. And that's why, I mean, I love the technology that we can have an online church family. We have people who are part of our church who don't live near a church and they'll take part in ours because we can be a church family together. That's an awesome thing. God is using that. And people experience miracles. There were signs and wonders being performed. When we're together as a church family, we see God move. We see God do things, bring healings. God can do a miracle anywhere, right? But why do we see more miracles when we're together as a family? Because that faith is shared. 
We believe for one another. We encourage one another in that. Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20, Jesus says, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There's a power in a church family. And then we experience real fellowship. We experience real fellowship when we're together as a church family. Now, because here's the thing. Fellowship is a great thing. And sometimes we think of fellowship as just warm fuzzies, right? Oh, I'm just so happy to be here with all of you together. And that's a great thing. But you know what fellowship is also? Encouragement when we need it. Fellowship is also correction when we need it. Part of fellowship is correcting. I've had people catch me from church families, and they said, hey, you're blowing it. You need to get your head on straight. You're playing games. You need to stop. And I said, oh, what? And then I thought about it. And said, yeah, it really was. I needed that, right? That's part of being a church family. That's because we love one another too much to let them go and get hurt. In the book of James, he says, if uh, you see a brother leading into sin, you need to pray about it. And then you need to correct him on it. And God will rescue them. So guys, sometimes being together in fellowship is encouraging. And it's also sometimes correcting. Sometimes it's saying you're playing games and you're going to get hurt, right? And sometimes it's saying, hey, you're going to make it through this. Sometimes it's saying, hey, you're going to make it. It's, again, that perspective. They do life together. Listen to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon's writing the book of Ecclesiastes at the end of his life, and he's kind of a grizzled old man at this point. And he said, two are better than one because they can have a good return for the labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. And if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So guys, we need church family. We need that. God put it together. God instituted it for a reason. And it's not all just for fun and games. Part of it's for encouragement. Part of it's for correction. Part of it's to share that faith. And I've had people come over to my house and sit down and say, are you okay? I say, well, you know, not really. And you know what they do? They pray for us. We need that. We need to be that, and we need to receive that. And we need to be willing to receive that. Because I don't know about you, but I know as a guy, I don't like saying, no, I'm not okay. This is how I, I could be dragging my leg behind me. I think you're, no, I'm fine, I'll be all right, you know. We don't want to ask for help, right? But we need that. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> We need that correction. We need that help. We need that support because we won't ask for it a lot of times. But a church family does that together. And so we see this incredible picture in Acts chapter 2 of the early church being the church. And that's our model. And that's one of our values here at Calvary. We want to be that church family for one another. We want that. We want to be there to encourage. We want to be there to pray for each other, to build each other up. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to... We're going to pray together. So if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? Those of you at home, if you want to stand with us. Lord, I thank you today that you put the church family together to be the church family. And Lord, I pray that today you would help us to truly be willing to be a part of that. Lord, to be a church family for one another, to be a church family for our community. Lord, to be that beacon of hope 
in our neighborhood, to be that beacon of hope in this state. Lord, to show that you love so much and to show the incredible things you do when we come together. And so, Lord, if there are any of us here that aren't yet a part of the church family, if we're not taking part in that, Lord, would you challenge us in that today? Lord, if any of us are trying to do this thing on our own, Lord, challenge us because you created us to be in community. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. And Lord, if there are any of us here that are struggling, Lord, would you help us to break down that pride and be willing to ask for help, to ask for that prayer, to ask for that encouragement. Lord, help us to also be that to others. 